Hello, everyone. Dr. Stillman here with another episode of Monday Masterclass. And today our question comes from Tara, one of my uh, paid premium subscribers. Thank you to my premium subscribers too for your um, for your subscriptions. Uh, you get to vote on these topics and suggest topics and ask questions if you're interested. And the Monday Masterclasses are going to be live at 3 o'clock here on YouTube and Facebook. And today we're going to talk about what are optimal cholesterol levels. So let's talk about this topic and let's start with the basics. So number one, what is cholesterol? Cholesterol is the precursor to your sex steroid hormones. These sex steroid hormones control your metabolism to a great degree. If I had to give you an analogy for them, they are like gas and, and brake pedals for your metabolism and different metabolic pathways. So hormones are really important. Hopefully you realize that. And what this means is that by manipulating cholesterol levels, we can actually have an impact on hormone levels. And this is where things get really, really complicated. Okay. When you ask the question, what is the optimal level for cholesterol to be? You have to understand that it depends upon your goal. So if you take somebody and you fast them and you don't feed them anything, Okay, I mean nothing, right? Gradually, their cholesterol levels are going to drop. If you combine that with something like exercise, their cholesterol levels are going to drop even more. Okay, if you load somebody up with high cholesterol foods and you basically poison their liver, you may well see likely to see cholesterol levels rise. Okay, but you may also see impacts on their sex steroid hormone levels in either direction, right? So you increase the cholesterol levels, the general tendency is for there to be more sex steroid hormones. This is why so many people see a big difference in their health when they go, you know, plant-based, although that's a very loaded term. They may say, I went plant-based and my acne went away and I stopped having this, that, and the other symptom of hormone excess. This is particularly true for menopausal women. Um, however, right, let's say that you're a 35-year-old man who wants to put on 20 pounds of muscle having a low cholesterol level is not going to support a healthy testosterone level, which is what you need in order to put on muscle mass, right? And this is where the conflict comes into the picture because we have to talk about what your goal is before we can talk about what your optimal cholesterol level ought to be. And the reason that this comes up so often in my practice is that my patients typically have a cholesterol level between 200 and 300 and the lab optimal level is under 200. Now, why is the optimal level under 200? Um, that's a long, uh, uh, it's a long story, but I'm going to give you guys a couple of, of resources that I think are worth tuning into, um, specifically about this topic, because what I've found over the years is that people, and particularly the last few years, has been really a lot of uh, censorship. And that censorship has impacted particularly topics like um, cholesterol. So we're going to move this to another window. And we're going to share the screen. Um, for this time. Okay. So this is the first book that I ever read on this by a guy named Umfe Ravenskov. I think he's passed now. 
but he wrote a great book uh, on this topic. And he, uh, another person whose book work I like is a guy named Malcolm Kendrick. These guys are going to give you the other side of the cholesterol literature. You're going to get from the vast majority of mainstream doctors, the idea that cholesterol is bad and we want to lower it. I'm going to go back into why that's not fair uh, later. But what these guys go into in their, in their research is all the different problems with the cholesterol and we'll just call it heart disease hypothesis. And the main thing I would tell you is that the sort of cliff notes version of this is that when I'm looking at things or recommendations to make to patients, right? One of the things I care most about is does it increase all cause mortality? And the other one I'm going to recommend here is the, uh, the WAPF. I love their work. Uh, and think they've got some great uh, material on this. So if you want more information, I recommend these three uh, people and their books. So when it comes to cholesterol and it comes to optimal levels, you have to be mindful of what your, your goal is. Okay. So let's take like, for example, the, the Maasai. So the Maasai have levels in, on average that are sub 200, but their BMI is 19. 19 is extremely, extremely thin. So you, let's talk about longevity, right? We find that the Maasai and a lot of indigenous peoples have really long lives. If you look at the blue zones, uh, these people are often doing low level manual labor for long periods of time. They're eating a local seasonal diet that's heavy in, in plant foods and things like that. They may have low levels of cholesterol, but one of the things that you'll observe is that, as I mentioned with the Maasai, their BMI is 19. That's very thin. So if you want to be a bodybuilder, or if you want to look physically impressive, if you're a girl who wants to have, you know, a shelf, so to speak, then eating a low cholesterol, low protein, low animal product diet may not be compatible with that goal. And then we need to talk about what you care more about. Do you care more about living as long as possible? Or do you care about looking good, feeling good, having a lot of energy and being able to generate a lot of power? The more power people are able to generate in life, that is muscularly speaking. Generally, the shorter the life they're going to live. When you look at the things that really have a negative impact on lifespan, a lot of them have to do with this dichotomy between your how physically impressive and strong and powerful you are and how long you're going to live. In the longevity research, there's one element that's really consistent, in my opinion, which is that caloric restriction tends to improve or increase lifespan. But the caloric restricted animals, you know, test subjects, whatever, are small. They're not physically impressive. So would you rather live a fuller, more energetic, more enthusiastic, more exciting life with more muscle mass, or would you rather be thinner? That's an important question for you to answer for yourself based on your goals and based on what you enjoy doing, right? And I'm not saying you can't live a long life with a significant proportion of muscle mass. I'm just saying that doing that with caloric restriction, which we know prolongs lifespan, I question whether you're actually going to succeed or not, right? So a lot of, <clears throat> a lot of this gets into, though, the differences between these traditional populations and modern people, right? I don't think it's fair to compare the blood levels of people like the Maasai living outside in Central Africa, connected to the earth, running around barefoot with minimal clothing on, eating a completely local seasonal diet 
to modern people living indoors, shopping indoors, doing very little exercise. You know, the Maasai might walk for miles or run for miles a day. Modern people aren't doing that. And so when people say, okay, well, they have lower levels of cholesterol, we should therefore lower levels of cholesterol in people in the United States, and this will prolong their lives, that hasn't actually worked out in the literature. There are many, many studies that have looked at the association between cholesterol and all-cause mortality. And there are many of these studies that document that the lower your cholesterol, the higher your risk of death. So I mentioned this before, but one of the things I love to look at when I'm asking, should I recommend this, that, or the other thing to my patients is, does the intervention reduce all-cause mortality? And if so, in whom does it reduce that mortality? Okay. And my answer when it comes to cholesterol restriction in the diet is generally speaking, no. So I'm not trying to restrict cholesterol levels in my, or cholesterol intake for my patients, because I don't see based on the literature I've reviewed and the experts I've listened to this having a significant impact or improvement on their overall mortality. Plus it gets in the way of what a lot of them want, which is a stronger, leaner physique in a really, really big way. And particularly for men, this is relevant because testosterone is produced from cholesterol. We are facing an epidemic of low testosterone levels in men today. This isn't a myth. It's not a matter of opinion. It's a matter of fact. If you need more information on this, look up the fertility crisis. Check out the webinar that Jim Laird and I recorded on June 24th, 2023, a couple days ago on secrets of testosterone optimization. And that optimization word there is very key because it comes back to this idea of strategy and your goal. Because I want you to be thinking whenever you're embracing some therapeutic option, some idea of treatment, some dietary change, you need to be asking yourself, what is my goal with this change? Okay. And to be very clear, if somebody said, look, I don't care how I look, I just want to live as long as possible. I would say, well, yeah, maybe we should shoot for cholesterol levels that are certainly on the lower end of normal. We certainly want to have you on a calorie restricted diet, doing a lot of zone two cardio and things like that. Um, Jim's mentioned in the comments here, uh, how does the sun affect cholesterol? And this is a really interesting component of this that goes back to one of the things I said about the Maasai, right? I mentioned that they live on the equator. And as you know, if you follow me, the sun reduces all cause mortality. That's a very, very important point that has to be brought home in any of these conversations because there's so much more going on with cholesterol than just the absolute level, right? And one of the things that you'll find in the literature is that the cholesterol in atherosclerotic plaques, which is how the cholesterol got implicated in heart disease in the first place, not to mention stroke, the cholesterol that's there is responding to inflammation. And so the real problem is that the vessel wall has sustained some kind of damage. So why do vessel walls get damaged? That's a very long topic that I can't possibly address today, but I want you to understand the concept behind this question, which is really that what if by lowering cholesterol levels, and this might explain why lower cholesterol levels may lead to higher risk of death, what if you need a higher level of cholesterol to cope with a Western lifestyle and the body's trying to take that cholesterol or increase that cholesterol in order to address a problem? Let me give you another idea. 
what if, and I've never seen testosterone, estrogen, progesterone, sex steroid hormone levels in the Maasai. I would be fascinated to see what the sex steroid hormone levels are in indigenous peoples. But to my knowledge, no one's done that. Well, I actually haven't looked really that hard for that study. So maybe I'll look for that one another day. But my point would be, what if that they're having a better throughput of cholesterol into those sex steroid hormones? And that's part of the secret behind their longevity. That this brings me back to discussions about light. Remember that light triggers the production of hormones and neurotransmitters in, inside of you. That's Fritz Hallwich 101. Um, the influence of ocular light perception on metabolism in animal and in man. That's Fritz Hallwich's book from the 1970s. And so to go back to what Jim was saying, how cholesterol works in your body is going to be modulated by the light you're living under. This is one reason why when we look in the literature, the sun reduces all cause mortality. It has a very favorable effect on your metabolism in general, including lipid parameters. You can look that up if you'd like. The other thing I want to point out is that the opposite of bright light during the day is artificial light at night. So the more artificial light you're getting at night, the more it's going to disrupt your circadian rhythms, the more it's going to reduce the quality of your sleep. This can cascade over into excessive oxidative stress that can create the inflammation, that can create the lesion in the vessel wall, that can recruit the cholesterol to the vessel wall to try and heal the lesion, which is why you, if you look at the studies of cardiovascular disease in shift workers, they have a much higher incidence. The Maasai do not, to my knowledge, have a high rate of night shift work in their population because they're hunter-gatherers. And this is, goes back to what I said before, comparing them to us and concluding we will make us healthier by reducing our cholesterol levels to their cholesterol levels is myopic and completely misses all these other confounding variables. But people out there tend to be obsessed with one niche, and a lot of people are just obsessed with food, and it's all they know to talk about. You've got to consider the effect that light has on food by triggering your body to turn one biomolecule like cholesterol into another one like testosterone. Is it not ironic that while we have an epidemic of low testosterone in men, we are being told that we have an epidemic of high cholesterol? What if this is more a throughput problem than anything? Okay, UV light, I want to mention as well, it's a really fascinating topic that I actually haven't had much time to dive into, but UV light has unique interactions with not only cholesterol, but with the downstream products of cholesterol, testosterone, estrogen, progesterone, etc. This is a process known as photocatalysis. UV light can change the structure and conformation of sex steroid hormone chemicals within the skin. And no one, as last I checked, is doing research on the physiologic effects or consequences of this because no one is going to make a fortune off of studying the beneficial effects of UV light. That sadly is because of the way profit motives are set up in our modern medical establishment. That's why it's not that we don't know these things. These things are actually very well reported on in the literature, but doctors don't get trained in them in medical schools and residencies, and they aren't taught how to use light clinically, which is one of the things I most love to do in my practice. That's why in 1904, Niels Finson won the Nobel Prize for creating a vitamin D lamp and using it to treat, I think, cutaneous tuberculosis, but don't quote me on that. 
And that's why I have a vitamin D lamp and frequently use vitamin D lamps in order to treat my patients and their illnesses, not only their vitamin D deficiency, but skin disorders that will respond to UV light. I will use this lamp in that way. So hopefully that's a good overview for you of, of cholesterol metabolism and this whole controversy. Now I want to get into what levels I care about and why. So cholesterol overall is one word for a series of different metabolic markers, okay? And in general, there's total cholesterol, there's low-density lipoproteins, and there's high-density lipoproteins. Now, I've been saying cholesterol. Now I'm saying low-density lipoproteins. What does that mean? So the low-density lipoproteins and high-density lipoproteins refer to lipoproteins. Lipoproteins are proteins that solubilize lipids in the blood. And the reality is when most people say cholesterol, they actually mean these um, diagnostic or laboratory measurements. So with LDL, low-density lipoprotein, and HDL, high-density lipoprotein, you want to have or, or high, an elevated high-density lipoprotein level is associated with better health. And the ratio of these two things is important. Or I would say, I'm not going to say it's important, but it's clinically relevant. I haven't gotten into the ins and outs of all this because it just isn't part of my daily practice. I don't see it really making a meaningful influence on my patient's well-being, so I don't worry about it. But the LDL, I almost always see elevated in my patients because most of them would rather look and feel better and be more physically powerful than live as long as possible. And that's just their preference for the record, okay? But there's one more component of the lipid panel that I care about, and that's the triglycerides level, which I think is way more important than your cholesterol level. And the triglycerides level as it goes up means that the body is not trafficking fatty acids well and that the triglycerides are getting out free in the blood because the liver and the lipoproteins are not corralling them properly. And when I see this, I think the liver is poisoned I've, and has a, potentially a massive toxic burden. Sometimes this is iron. Sometimes it's heavy metals. Sometimes it's just processed food and an unhealthy, unhealthy lifestyle or a lack of just basic, you know, modern uh, or not modern, but a lack of just good, healthy uh, lifestyle habits. Um, sometimes it's transient, resolves without a whole lot of intervention. And sometimes it reflects issues with B vitamins, methylation and metabolism, which is where I might get something like an organic acid test. And I may also just use niacin in those cases in order to help uh, bring it down. But anyway... That's how I look at the uh, lipid panel. The, the ideal level that we're handed from the lab, to go back to what I began with, is under 200. And I want you all to understand that this number is not normal in the sense of a normal Gaussian distribution across a population, okay? That number is what the you know, powers that be, the experts out there think people should generally have their cholesterol under. But the whole point of this video is to open your mind to the idea that that level may not be appropriate or may not help you achieve your health and well-being goals. And I know that my patients feel better on a higher protein, higher fat, higher cholesterol diet. If they come to me and say, I don't care about looking, feeling good, or being strong, I just want to live as long as possible we get into caloric restriction, we get into dropping cholesterol levels, and we monitor the labs 
thereby. The other thing I want you to know is that in addition to the sex steroid hormones, you have to remember that vitamin D is produced from cholesterol. And so you'll see a very strong association between low cholesterol levels and low vitamin D levels. And this is where I just think a lot of people in, you know, modern medicine are really lost. They're paying more attention to cholesterol levels than vitamin D levels. I think overwhelmingly that vitamin D is more important than total cholesterol as far as your all-cause mortality goes and whether or not you're actually, you know, overall healthy. And there's a whole host of other lab markers that I prefer to check and rely on to, to measure the vitality, the robustness, and the overall health of my patients than cholesterol. What is the normal cholesterol? I would refer back to some of my earlier statements um, and really tie this all together by saying that that's going to depend on who you are, your genetics, your lifestyle, your diet, and all these other things. And so fixating on what is the normal level for me is not the same as asking what level should I you know, shoot for, or what diet should I adopt, or what do I need to do in order to achieve my health and wellness goals? Completely different conversation, seemingly the same one, though. And that's what people are, I think, hung up on about cholesterol. So uh, for those of you who don't know what these Monday Masterclasses are, they're new. And uh, they are going to be going live at 3 o'clock Eastern on most Mondays. I may take the week off occasionally. The topics are uh, suggested and requested by my uh, folks over the premium paid version of my Substack, which I encourage you to become a member of. And there's also a premium Q&A for the Substack members at 3.30 p.m., which I'm about to jump on. And I want you all to know that today we have a special presentation for a uh, topic that people wanted that was way too hot for me to put out on the conventional social media channels for reasons that I'm sure if you follow me and are familiar with my work, you don't mean, need me to spell out for you. So as always, everyone, thank you for watching. I hope you've enjoyed this video. Take care. Have a great day. And one more thing, if you want to learn more about working with me and my team, click the link below. It's my link tree. You can join my newsletter and everything there, and you get more updates from us on how we can help you live a healthy and long life. Take care, everyone. Have a great day.